0: Welcome to Across the Margin, the podcast. I am your host, Michael Shields. Across the Margin, the podcast is a proud member of the Osiris Media Group. Head over to OsirisPod.com. Check out all the podcasts they are offering, all their live events they got going on. That's all at OsirisPod.com. In today's podcast, we talk about an important issue affecting millions across the globe. And we do that through an interview with Catherine K. Etman, the Chief of Staff and Director of Strategic Initiatives at the Boston University School of Public Health. Catherine is the co-editor of Urban Health and also of Migration and Health, the book that is the focus of this episode. Her important work explores the social and economic factors that shape population mental health. International migrants compose more than 3% of the world's population, and internal migrants Those migrating within countries are more than triple that number. Population migration has long been, and remains today, one of the central demographic shifts shaping the world around us. The world's history and its health is shaped and colored by stories of migration patterns, the policies and political events that drive these movements, and narratives of individual migrants. The excellent book that is Migration and Health offers the most expansive framework to date for understanding and reckoning with human migration's implications for public health and its determinants. It interrogates this complex relationship by considering not only the welfare of migrants, but also that of the source, destination, and ensuing generation populations. The result is an elevated, interdisciplinary resource for understanding what is known and the considerable territory of what is not known at an intersection that promises to grow in importance and influence as the century unfolds. In this episode, Catherine and I discuss the drivers of migration and how many people across the globe are classified as migrants. We explore the mental health concerns affecting migrants while considering how climate change heightens concerns revolving around migration and health. We discuss the role of the World Health Organization in mitigating health concerns of migrants. We talk about how universal health coverage can be a pivotal tool in improving the overall health of migrants and so much more. I have no doubt you're going to enjoy and learn a lot from this conversation with Catherine K. Etman. Cross the, the, the margin.
1: Cross the margin. Cross the margin.
0: Thank you again, Catherine. I appreciate you coming on the program and talking about this book. I loved it.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Of course. Um, so it is, it's a considerable book. It's one with a, a wealth of collaborators and, and, um, you know, it digs into so many different angles of uh, concerns regarding migration and health. And I was curious if you can kind of talk generally about what readers can expect when they, you know, when they dig into the book and and when they open up these pages of uh, migration and health.
1: Absolutely. Well, first, thank you for reading the book and for bringing attention to this important topic. Sure. Um we were really motivated to write this book for three reasons. So, first, migration matters and it matters to health and I'm sure we'll talk later in the episode about the many ways in which migration shapes Health, but it also shapes population demography, um, and it's one of the major trends that we are facing in our lifetime. Number two is that people, uh, many people, are affected by migration. So both the individuals who move themselves, um, the people who are in host communities, and then also the people who remain um, in in the um, countries and places of origin. And then third, we aim to build on existing scholarship and expertise. Yeah. yeah. This book highlights the multidisciplinary nature of mm-hmm. this topic. Yeah. We include 41 chapters, and in these chapters, we feature experts across many fields, including epidemiology, anthropology, and law, just to name a few. And this is a really meaty topic, and our hope is just to skim the surface Mm -hmm. and highlight the ways that different disciplines and different sectors contribute to the health of populations and migrants in particular, and the ways that we can learn from different disciplines and how they all play a role in creating the best health for the people.
0: Yeah. You say skim the surface. I think you more than skim the surface. It feels it feels like a deep dive in in many ways. And you're right. There's so many different angles where you look at it. I'd love to kind of hear um, a little bit about you. You know, you mentioned you touched on why migration, talking about migration, is so important. But the scope of it's important. How many? Um, how many of this does you know? Does it affect across the globe? It's it's pretty daunting when you look at the numbers.
1: So current estimates suggest that 281 million people were international migrants as of 2020. Mm-hmm. And this is only international migrants. The vast majority of migrants are actually internal migrants. The so estimates mm-hmm. suggest that 750 people have migrated internally wow. within their home country. Um, and if you were to take together internal and external migrants, mm-hmm. one in seven people would be a migrant. Um, And if international migrants were one country today, they would be the fifth largest country in the world. Um, So they would be the fifth largest country after China, India, the US and Indonesia. Wow,
0: that's just unbelievable. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's described as one of the central demographic shifts, shifts shaping the world. It's really amazing. So um, you know, it was it was pointed out, and I want to talk about drivers of migration, um, that international migration has more than tripled since 1970. That's from 84 million um, to 2019, which is around 272 million. I was wondering if you could talk um, some about the reason for this um, kind of drastic increase over the last 50 years in migration.
1: So I think there are many drivers sure. of migration. Kind of a loaded question. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. There, there are many drivers of migration, and a large portion of migrants are laborers. Um, so, a, a large driver of migration is labor migration. So, the drivers include economic drivers. They include political drivers. Um, they include displacement from things like climate change. Um, and so, the climber, uh, the drivers over the last fifty years um, are increasing, and we are seeing an ever-increasing number of people migrating across the world. I think that we also, we live in an increasingly global and mobile world as well, where people are moving for a number of reasons, and we can stay connected, but there are also greater means of movement, ease of travel, transportation, um, and the drivers are contributing to international and internal migration.
0: Yeah, it was interesting, though, with like that in mind. And of course, these drivers are pushing uh, migration numbers up in a major way. But I mean, it was also pointed out that the present flow of kind of migration um, could be looked at as slow compared to population growth in some ways. But also, given the degradation of living conditions in many parts of the world, some, you know, you can almost ask the question, as was pointed out so vividly in the book, um, why are so few people migrating? Some people are really dealing with some tough situations. And, you know, I guess, you know, some people don't have that option as well, which is well. So I want to ask this. this was very, very surprising to me as we get into chapter four, which begins to break down how migration affects uh, health kind of really pin, you know, pinpoint that issue right there. I was surprised to come upon the line. uh, Migrants fare better in terms of health when compared to the host population. So I wonder if you can explain that some because it really kind of boggled my mind. It was kind of a healthy migrant effect, I think was saying, but if you could explain that a little bit, I'd love to hear you talk about that.
1: Yes. So this is called the healthy migrant effect, which is that people who migrate tend to be healthier than either the host populations Mm -hmm. where they are moving or the people who reside in their country of origin. Um, And this may be due to a few reasons. So, The majority of migrants are between 25 and 64. So they are Mm -hmm. working age. Again, a lot of drivers are economic. Um, But there's also some selection where only people who are healthy are able to migrate and to make the move. And what is interesting is to look at studies that follow the health of descendants of migrants. Mm -hmm. And what those studies show is that as their descendants integrate more with their new host institutions and places of residence, they actually lose that health benefit and the health of their descendants becomes more similar to the health of their local population.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, wasn't there the um and they broke down it was really, really interesting to me the metaphors and I think you were alluding to kind of was the time travel metaphor where migrants can actually profit from not yet adapting to industrial uh, societies, kind of their dietary practices and kind of like their death-bound lifestyle. So there was a healthier lifestyle, you know, where they were or, you know, what they were experiencing, you know, that that doesn't exist in the, the industrialized things. And then there was also uh, the salmon metaphor, how uh, you know, migrants return home often when they're sick or, you know, getting close to death. And just, there was a whole bunch of other metaphors there that really, um, I just thought that was so interesting. It's, it's, it's something I would have never really thought was the case. Um, mental health. Is such an important thing to talk about when he talks about with migrants and i think a lot of us focus on you know the physical tolls of migration but um you know as as focus on mental health uh across you know many mediums is is discussed more and more i was cu- i was curious if you know if if the mental health of migrants is becoming more of uh, a consideration uh moving forward i think it's something that probably wasn't looked at much but it's is it something that we're looking at more um as as you know, more focuses on that all around?
1: I think we're focused more and more as a society about yeah. uh, mental health in general, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. I think socially, we are becoming more aware of poor mental health. Sure. Um, and we are breaking down things like stigma associated with identifying mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd really love to take a step back just to right. talk about health more broadly, as we dive in, to talk about three frameworks that help us tackle this complex notion of migration and health. So there are three frameworks that inform my thinking and and the thinking of my Mm co-authors around health. And you can look at any health outcome, mental health included. The first is the social ecological framework. And in this framework, one, I'm a person, but a person lives in multiple nested contexts. Mm -hmm. So my health is the product of Yes, my individual and genetic constitutional factors, but also my family environment, my home environment, my neighborhood context. My neighborhood context is influenced by my state level context, the institutions I interact with. And then ultimately, my state is the context is in the context of larger federal and international policies. So in this way, these multiple contexts are shaping health. And this is true for all people. But for migrants in particular, if they live in multiple places, then their health is the product of multiple nested contexts for every place that they have lived in, whether it's their country of origin, places where they have traveled along their migration, or their host ultimate countries. The second framework that informs thinking about health is health across the life course. Mm -hmm. So health accumulates over time, and so do risks for health. So experiences or exposures that people have at particular points in the life course can have effects over the life. So we know this based on studies looking at critical periods of development, such as uh, in utero exposure. So Mm -hmm. we have some studies that have shown that children who were exposed to deprivation in utero, so if their mothers did not have enough food or if they were exposed to things like trauma, those children will then go on to have worse health effects, um, and they may accrue over the life course. So this helps us to think about when a person migrates, how they migrate, and how that might affect their health at that point in time, but also how those experiences and exposures may stay with them. And now, as as you said earlier and you alluded to, it's not a simple story um, where migrants may be healthier in some cases, but they also might be exposed to some experiences that are less healthy. Um, So it's not just a simple relation. And then third, It's helpful to think about phases of migration. So you have the pre-migration phase, Mm -hmm. then you have the transit itself, then you have the integration to a new host society, and then some migrants not all have a return phase where they might return back to their country of origin. And so, thinking about these three frameworks helps us to organize our thinking on health mm-hmm. um, and how migrants may have particular health needs and considerations in particular.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you pointed out those different, all those different uh, frameworks and different uh, ways to look at it. That's, that's there. There's a lot of points that, that 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 you have to analyze. and Think well. That brings me to think. There's also I was interested to see how it seems like overall collecting data. Can be sometimes a challenge, in the whole thing, and, and addressing the needs and concerns of my mi- migrants. Um, you know, it takes good surveillance systems sometimes, and you know, it, to develop informed policies, it t- it takes a lot of um, accumulation of data. And I was wondering, it seemed like there there are some challenges that that make it you know make it complicated. To, to get the correct data and getting the correct data is so important to you know kind of address the situation. I was wondering if you could speak some on those challenges uh, that you might've had or any of your colleagues had in collecting data to address this concern.
1: Absolutely. And I think this is an example of where the political context can really inform um, the ability of institutions to collect accurate data and the trust that people have within these institutions. Um, So first, if you have laws um, that are harmful to migrants, then they may be less likely to interact with formal systems. Um, There are other questions about surveillance and ensuring that you both have accurate numbers, yes, that you protect the data and the privacy and the rights of people who migrate um so absolutely having the correct numbers is very difficult particularly if um if you have political contexts that are not conducive Mm -hmm. to allowing migrants to safely um migrate
0: yeah yeah i thought it was interesting too with that kind of in mind the uh um how barriers of communication language and culture were a concern it was um pointed out real, real well, how uh, culturally competent services should be more than just minimal communication. I just that really made me think because I mean, I I don't think there's, there's probably not enough uh, onus put on that to to actually the, the, you know, understanding their culture. And just I mean, I guess, the, the they would really sit on that minimum communication, that's enough, and it's not enough.
1: Absolutely. I think language was one of the themes that came out throughout the the book, but also, as you said, having culturally competent care. Mm -hmm. So we may have translation, um, Mm -hmm. we might have translators when migrants come to see doctors. But Mm -hmm. there was an example in the book that I really appreciated um, that spoke to cultural competence about uh, women. And if women have male translators, Culturally, they may not feel comfortable sharing the details of uh, health, which can be very sensitive. And so in this way, we we might not be creating systems that are conducive to our understanding the full scope of people's experiences. They may not feel comfortable. Their translators may be family members um, in some cases the translators who have come with them may be perpetrators of some of the um, experiences that they are having that they would otherwise perhaps share with the medical system, or that would be really important to know about for their physical or mental health.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That example made me think of, I want to uh, kind of give credit to, um, you know, sometimes you get caught up in all the stats when you're talking about this issue, but you know, there's such a human element. We got to remember, you know, address it with empathy and there's stories of trauma Throughout the book that are personal stories There's that that section where you get stories from Isabella, Isabel, Enrique and Luis. And it's really I always think that's so important in these books um, just to c- continue to point out that, that, you know, these aren't numbers. These are people. And it just that that's something that's done real good, real well in this book. Um, I want to ask how uh, or if you could talk a little bit about how the WHO is responding to these migrant issues Um Kind of what's the overall global response um, and and is it being effective, do you feel?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So I was very lucky to participate in the World Health Organization's first report on the health of refugees and migrants. It came out in July of 2021. Mm -hmm. um, And we have authors from the WHO as part of our book, um, as well as other influential nonprofit organizations and international organizations that are addressing migration, but the WHO in particular is centrally highlighting migration and health as an important area for um, the health space to highlight moving forward. Mm -hmm. And um, as part of that report, we tried to be very clear about the many different ways that migration and refugee status may influence population health. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. I read I was reading just just yesterday um an article and I want to kind of touch back to climate change because it's just I feel like it's going to be a big obviously going to be a big um uh force of migration and I saw a stat that it looks like it could um uh climate change could force up to 1.2 billion people to be on the move by 2050 and it's just unbelievable to think uh uh you know the scope of that and um uh i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about you know kind of um uh how climate change is is directly affecting migrants maybe not migration but migrants throughout the world how how it directly affects um you know uh, people because i mean it's it's pretty intense
1: mm-hmm. climate change affects the health of populations and migrants through multiple ways mm-hmm. um one is with increasing global warming, we are seeing a greater number of climate-related events. Mm. So these are large-scale natural disasters. Um, We're also seeing displacement. So displacement due to things like natural disasters where people are losing their homes, um, but also disaster uh, and displacement due to changing economies. Mm. Um, And obviously, climate change affects health. So there are many studies that show how how exposure to things like air pollution mm-hmm. um water pollution these core foundations are shaping health and are ultimately shifting patterns in where people are moving
0: yeah it was um noted that uh, you know kind of mobility has emerged as kind of a human fa- human face of climate change it was it was a line in the book but i mean also it's it was it was noted and it's important to note that migration is not always possible for people. There are people who are trapped in these places that are deeply affected by climate change, which is very, very intense to think about. It was um, uh, really great to get to the point in the book where there was a bunch of case studies um, uh, about, you know, different countries and different, um, you know, migration throughout different parts of the world. And I want to kind of just maybe kind of choose one and talk about it a little bit. And The um, section with Venezuela and Latin America, Latin America, excuse me, was very fascinating. Um, Venezuelan migrants in Colombia was kind of the focus there. I was wondering if you could talk about this unique um, migrant situation, the plight of these migrant Venezuelans a little bit.
1: Um, Well, I think migration, as we discussed earlier, is in part the product of multiple economic and political contexts. Mm -hmm. And we see that migrants are moving in response to things like political instability in their home countries or discrimination, persecution. Um, And thankfully, we do have examples of host communities that are creating structures and institutions and contexts where populations can thrive. Yeah. Um, and we see this through a number of interventions, a number mm-hmm. of programs that are publicly supported, privately supported. Um, and I think those individual stories are some of the most inspiring um, mm-hmm. is to see how migrants are, are able to um, create strength and in fact, bring benefits to their host institutions. Yes. I was well.
0: going to point that out. Yeah, absolutely. While, while you're addressing these concerns, you can actually, it's an opportunity to to you know kind of uh you know make your own infrastructure a whole lot better um let's talk about the US just a little bit because i mean it's 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 you know despite immigrants you know sizable um participation and contributions to the US economy we've talked a bunch about that on the podcast it's it's really become um you know a a, a polarizing issue in the united states i was wondering if you you know had any thoughts on the current um you know, US situation, it's, it's always, I always think how unique it is that, you know, um, Latin American countries, the the people who, you know, feel the need to move, um, you know, they can pretty much it's this isn't the case in many places in the world, they can just get up and walk. And, you know, there's multiple countries that they can really just just get up and decide to walk to the United States. And, you know, so it's not a it's, it's very trying walk. I mean, it's the, uh, what is the, um, the, the gap in can't, um, and, Colombia and Panama was brought up that 66 miles of treacherous terrain and but um you know I was just kind of curious your thoughts about uh, the the complex US situation and you know I know Mexico is involved in helping us I was just reading an article the other day but any thoughts you had to share about the current US situation migrants I'd love to hear
1: Well the United States is a country of immigrants mm, uh, yeah. we are all immigrants here and I think that's an important perspective Crucial. to There are many ways to address this. What we know from the research is that having policies that are more um, generous helps to ensure the health of all populations and those who are most vulnerable and those in need. Research shows that there can be chilling effects when language is used in public discourse that is degradatory to groups or disrespectful. Um, similarly, if there are policies that penalize people for taking advantage of public services, such as the public charge, mm. um, these can create chilling effects where people are less likely to take advantage of resources such as WIC or SNAP benefits that ultimately benefit children. Um, So in the United States, I think migration is a complex but core issue. One benefit, uh, one, I think treasure from our book is that we were able to bring together many different disciplines to see how we can address this topic. Right. And one of the chapters that I want to highlight was yes. on humanities. Mm-hmm. And in this chapter, um, the the author, Professor Carrie Preston, highlights the work of Ana Teresa Fernandez, who is mm-hmm. an artist who does um, works of art at the Mexican-American border. So
0: cool. The Eraser Border art. Right. So yes. great. Exactly.
1: Baranda La Frontera, Erasing the Border. And her chapter um, really shows an example of how using art and using narrative and using different disciplines, including the humanities, Mm -hmm. can transform imagination, create more compassion, and provide insights into the very human elements of migration and the intersection with politics. Yeah.
0: It's amazing how powerful art can be in speaking to these concerns and the humanity behind. it. I'm glad you pointed that out. That was really, really a uh, cool thing in there. Uh, the final section of the book kind of, um, you know, focused on the future of migration and help. And mm. there's this closing point about how um, universal health coverage, um, you know, it could be a real important tool, important piece of the uh, solution landscape. Uh, I was wondering if you could kind of explain how that could be um, something that, that, moves us forward in the right direction.
1: Yes, universal health coverage, UHC, is a first step to ensuring that people, humans, Mm -hmm. have Mm -hmm. the right to accessing medicine, which can be preventative and Mm life-saving. We know that when people do not have access to health care, it means that they end up intersecting with the health system later in the severity of illness. So they come um, in emergencies when we could have prevented a lot of illness um, and actually saved costs. Um, So it's not only the right thing to do, but it's the smart thing for populations to have access to preventative medical care.
0: Yeah, and that. But well, I mean, that's another great thing. That's so good about the book. I mean, it's it's really breaking down the problem. But there's a lot of solutions in there. I mean, I really. I, I thought the book was. I think it's super important. Like you, you were alluding to right off the bat. It's it's trying to move the conversation and the and the studies forward. I love that there was kind of you know there was focus just there was a lot of numbers but it's also uh talks about the people behind the stats and also the complexities of the thing i mean like it's it's wild how many different angles and how many disciplinaries kind of came together in this book it's really it's great it's excellent i'm glad to have the opportunity to talk more about it with you and so thank you Catherine. i really appreciate uh you finding the time to talk about uh, migration and health thank you michael